right, Mr. Anko, would you like to pray for us? Sure, please, I pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are eternally grateful for the opportunity of studying your words. We ask for your divine Holy Spirit. We ask for wisdom. And as we, as we worship, dear Father, may we be blessed. And others are blessed too, we pray. For Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. All right, so the next verse we're going to um, discuss is Genesis 3, 11 to 13. I'll go ahead and read. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? How hast thou, hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Okay, so our first question. What did Adam and Eve start to do? <laughs> so, um, one of the... Huh? Blame each other. Exactly, that's it. They started to blame each other. First, Adam blamed God. And then, Eve said, The serpent made me do it. So they were not taking any responsibility for what they had done. We can move on to the next question. Do you think that blaming others can destroy relationships? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think so because we're not seeing the we're not seeing the reason. For the action, if we blame others, it's easy to blame others. It's an easy way out without taking responsibility. So the answer is yes. Okay. And then the last. How did God react here? Um, the way I see it, God was just asking a question. Who told you that you were naked? Um, did you eat of the tree? So right away, God knew that, knew that they had sinned. But at the same time, he didn't react by condemning them. And that's one thing that, um, that I realized. He was just still engaging in conversation with them, but he didn't right away condemn Adam and Eve, even though he knew that they had sinned. I have a question. Yes. Um, it says, the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? Do you think that he, the Lord was trying to lead them into conviction? Mm, that's a good question. Possibly. Absolutely. Questions were intended for them to see what they have done. Yeah. Notice, notice that God did not excuse their sins. If you notice yeah. that God did, he didn't excuse their sin. He didn't even argue with them because he said he realized that it's an excuse. So the, the question was designed for them to do, to do um, hard searching. Maybe mm. I'm to blame afterwards because, you know, so they had no excuse and he was not buying the excuse. So the, it, as I surely say, it was designed for them to do self-reflection and conviction. That's true. Um, do you think it was because of pride why they started to blame, um, they started to blame others instead of taking responsibility for them for their own actions? I think so. I think so. And fear as well, because when you're afraid, you don't want, <laughs> you don't really, well, I guess that's pride. Yeah. Yeah. Fear, pride. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you know what? I think it's just sin. Because sin, sin does, does, you know, I mean, if, if you can find a reason, for, a, a excuse for sin is no longer sin. If I went to the store and I, I, I stole a hundred, uh, uh, I mean, a whole bag of food, um, and because I'm hungry, I justify it, it's no longer stealing. It, 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 you know? So I think there is actually no excuse for sin. Sin is just sin. He was, he's trying to tell her, listen, you did something wrong. And you, 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 you need to man up to what you have done. Mm-hmm. That's, true. That's true. Okay, let's go to the last, um, the last verse, Genesis three fourteen to 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. What do you think about how God reacted? Um, Well, one of the things that I noticed is that God promised that he will put he will separate the woman's seed from the serpent's seed. So right there, God is saying that I'm going to separate you from sin. Eventually, there will come a point where I will restore um, restore back what you've lost. And I think, that's, um, I think that's beautiful because even though Adam and Eve made a mistake and even though they sinned, God still had mercy. I think this verse, this verse is prophetic. Notice that the first, you ask the question, what, um, what do you think about how God reacted? I think it's beyond human's comprehension because before God ever, before God ever gave the curses of sin, he gave hope. Mm. The first thing he did was to give hope. The first thing he says, yes, the serpent is cursed, but he said, I will put enmity and thank God for that enmity. That enmity means that we will not all agree with Satan. We will not all go along with him. There will be some people who disagree with him. And that's a good thing. And he actually promised the seed, which is Christ. So I see that before they got their sentences, they got hope. And that to me is the God I serve because he's all about redemption. Mm. What do you think, Shirley? I agree. I agree. I think that's a great point to bring out, Miss Jennifer. The hope is very important. I mean, that's that's basically the gospel. The gospel is our hope. Mm-hmm. Um, to tell people that there is a God that you know, Jesus is chasing after them. They love him and want to redeem us to himself. So I think that's important. Yeah, that's true. Okay, next question. What characteristics did God show in contrast to Adam and Eve? What are some characteristics that you saw that you that you saw um, as you read? So for example, um, God didn't um, he wasn't angry. He was patient with them. Um, mm-hmm. He was merciful with them, towards them. Um, and 
he also, like Ms. Jennifer mentioned, um, he gave them hope. I think he had, um, I, I love the fact that he addressed the question. He said, what characteristic? He was there, right? He wasn't going to run the car, but he was honest. Yes, they have mm-hmm. sinned. They have fallen. And they knew that as well they hid. But he was giving them hope. And not only that, he addressed the question. And you realize, Adam started to blame Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. God reversed the trend. He began with the, with the sin began, with the serpent. So you notice God, they were trying to pass the blame on. God began where it began. He God knew the extent of their sin, and he knew what the cause of it was. So he began where they didn't want to begin, at sin. And that's why I said, he began with the root of the problem. You know, sometimes when we correct person, we look at the behavior and we attack the behavior, but that's not the problem. You got a deeper cause, a deeper root. There's something deep down. And God understood that. So he knew where to begin. And he began at where the real reason for everything began, the serpent. Mm. Yeah. I also see that you know, the way that God reacted is a modeling for us when people sin against us instead of, you know, being angry right away. I mean, that's a normal reaction to have, but he showed patience, he showed love, and he gave them hope. And I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes when people do things to us, we, yes, we are the victim, but at the same time, I think to be patient with people and understand that they also are broken and they also have issues. I think that's important. Yes, his action was redemptive. The redemptive. Right. He, his, his goal was perceived. Shirley mentioned that point because what I see here is a God who, while not um, accepting or necessarily um, agreeing with what they have done, he came with one purpose and one purpose only. Not to kill them as somebody hurts you, to get rid of them, but redemption. Right. Yeah, that's true. All right, next question. What did Adam and Eve's shame do to their relationship with God? What do you think, Shirley? It, it fractured it. Mm-hmm. Fractured it, it um, yeah, it fractured it. It's not the same anymore because once Adam and Eve sinned, um, God, well, I guess they became distant. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about sin is it always separates us from God. And um, as when you look at the story of what happened, the minute that they sinned, they started to feel ashamed and they ran away from God instead. So they, they chose to um, separate themselves from God. And as a result of sin, I mean, they had to leave the garden so they no longer had that close connection with God, which is mm-hmm. normally what happens. What do you think, Ms. Jennifer? Yes. Um, sin separates. Sin is destructive. Sin is a barrier. But um, that's why I noticed that if you continue reading the story, you will realize that they got, um, they all got their reward for sin, which is of sin is that. But I like the fact that 
God, God knew more than them. So he, he came with a restorative message. But sin do break the relationship. In fact, any relationship that we have, either it be um, my, I mean, maternal or whatever, you know, paternal, whatever it is, whether it be the social, sin destroy relationship. Sin brings mistrust. And you cannot have a true relationship if you don't trust. And sin destroys trust because, you know, somebody else that, you know, that, that is why we are told that sin, sin is so awful, it separates us from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Right. Uh, next question. What did Jesus' shame do to his relationship with man? So we looked at um, the story in the New Testament where Jesus was crucified. He was in front of a crowd and um, the crowd, his own people, said, we want him dead. Not only that, they stripped him naked, they beat him, spat upon him, and then laid him on a cross. Throughout all of that, that was that was a very shameful experience, but throughout all of that, um, not once did Christ sin. Not once did he do anything that that would actually make his relationship with God be severed. And not only that, his actions actually points to his desire of wanting a relationship with us. So God's Jesus' shame actually restored what he went through, restored his relationship with God's relationship with man and gives us the hope of a stronger bond with God. What do you think, Miss Jennifer? I think you're absolutely correct. Um, Jesus's relationship with man became stronger because he laid on his life for us. Um, but I think though, um, what Jesus went through it should serve as a reminder to us that we too will go through incidents where you know where we'll be shamed for the gospel. And I like what Paul says, Acts one, I think one verse sixteen. I am but ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for the power of God and the salvation. We have to embrace the fact that in this world we're going to have, I mean, suffer for Christ's sake, but we are to look at Christ's example, how do you treat those who accuse him? He loved them even more. And even in his shame, he was able to redeem the thief on the cross. But more importantly, his shame showed the extent of sin. But at the same time, he didn't use it to be um, as a way of making us suffer, but a way of making us being redeemed to the Father. So his shame, for, his shame that he went through is hope for us. That number one, we can endure. Number two, that we will. We, he loves us so much to go through it, so we will have access to his father, to his shame. Shirley, what do you think? I agree. I I don't have anything to add. I agree. Okay. All right. Um, the thing about the way that Jesus behaved all throughout um, what was happening throughout the shame that he experienced. Um, Some of the things, some of the emotions that Jesus didn't exhibit were anger, 
towards anyone that, um, any of the guards that were soldiers that were um, beating him or whomever mocked him. He never reacted with anger um, towards them. And sometimes with us as human beings, when we feel ashamed, we tend to get angry sometimes. And we might react in a way that is not pleasing to God. And one of the things I, I noticed um, that how Christ behaved was that in anything that he was doing and in everything, he was seeking to please God. He was trying to show, he never forgot to show God's character to, um, to the people or to us as human beings, even in his shame. And so for us, is it possible for us, even when we experience shame, to continue, never forget, demonstrate God's character. It sure is. And that's why that's why we are saying that we have to keep our mind on Christ. Um, keeping our mind on Christ and be Christ like having the mind of Christ. We ha- then we, we are able to do that. But of ourselves it's natural human tendency to react when your pride gets hurt, when you're when you feel that someone is trying to put you down, you want to correct that. But if you see Christ did not seek his own his own his own, his, his own right. He was willing to submit, not because he it was pleasure, but because he knew that he was representing his father. So if we have a mind in Christ, we will try to do at all times the things that please him. And our last question is, do you think shame and pride can destroy your relationship with others and God? And yes, I do believe that shame and pride can destroy our relationship with others. Um, So, for example, um, let's say someone embarrasses you at school. Um, They start calling you names. The The simple reaction would be to call that person um whomever that person is, start calling them back names so that you can get even. And um, let's say this person was actually your friend. That can put, um, that can actually break your relationship with a friend. Not only that, because of our shame and our pride at times, we, um, we react in a way that's not Christ-like until we separate ourselves from God. Or, um, and because of that, um, we fall into more sin and Mm. And then that's where God has to come after us and point out our sins to us because that's what he did with Adam and Eve. He allowed them to see their wrong and then um, he provided a way for them to correct it, but only if they wanted to correct their wrongs. And that's the thing with shame and pride sometimes. It starts, because of it, it can destroy the relationships that we build with each other and mm-hmm. so the relationship that we build with God. Um, what do you think, Shirley? Okay. I, I definitely agree. I'm thinking to myself, um, because as you speak, I'm thinking about, like, what can we do? Like, say, hypothetically speaking, someone did something to you, and you know that the rift in your relationship with that person is due to their own shame and their own pride and guilt. How do you reconcile with that person? How do you 
show them that same grace that the Lord shows us daily. Well, I think we need to look at God's example. We need to reach out because that's what God does with us. He reaches out to us and he never stops reaching out to us. He's always persistent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one of the things that we need to do. Um, Be persistent with that person and um, make sure you're demonstrating love in everything that you do. Um, it, it may not be a relationship that you can restore to, a, you know, a close mm-hmm. friendship, but it's nonetheless, it's still a relationship that can be restored. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Miss Jennifer? Um, it's a good point. It's easier said than done, but I think every um, relationship is, is, um, is, 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 um, is different. But the principle remains, as, as you mentioned, the fact that we have to forgive those persons who hurt us first of all. Can reaching out in, in anger can make it worse. If you reach out and we're not willing to I mean to to humble ourselves, what if the person don't see the way you see the see of it? Do you then give up? Or do you reach out genuinely so you can be um you can be at least helping the person? Because sometimes when we reach out because we want to get back at the person, whatever our motive should be to restore the person. That's not necessarily the relationship to the fact that you are forgiven. I forgive you. It's okay. You can move on. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah, it, it, it can be hard, but you have to take it to God in prayer. But Christ's example is right. Christ in, the, Christ in the city of heaven say, okay, I leave them until I come to their senses. He reach out. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't condemn them when he reached out to them. I think right. that's another right. part. Because right. once you start to condemn someone, they close off, they become defensive. Right. Yes, that's true. That's definitely true. Well, this ends our, um, our Bible study on overcoming shame to build deeper bonds. And um, some takeaways. What are some takeaways, Shirley? Some takeaways, um, for me, the way that God dealt with um, Adam and Eve stood out to me because he was patient with them. He didn't condemn them. He gave them hope, like Miss Jennifer said, which is really important. And he extended grace. So I think that's something that we should also, you know, remember. Um, also, I like the fact that... Um, just the character of God just shows us how we should be in our walk and um, just the practical ways that we learn to, to um, go back to the Lord after we feel shame or, you know, our pride is getting in the way of um, going back to him. So his character for me and his grace and practical ways to, get back to him after we feel that shame. Yeah. What do you think? What are some takeaways for you? My takeaway is is the life of Christ. I really didn't think about the fact that he experienced shame in that light, but it's it's making me want to be humble, knowing that whatever you have been through, whatever you're going through, whatever shame you have been through, Christ experienced a maximum shame, but mm-hmm. he didn't use he didn't use that shame as an excuse for revenge. Mm-hmm. He didn't use that shame as an excuse 
for getting somebody who, I mean, hurting somebody, he didn't use that shame that was heaped upon him, that disgrace. He didn't use it as a way to justify a bad behavior because sometimes when we get hurt, we use shame and we use that, our, you know, our pride allows us to use shame to justify our behavior. He deserves it, he should die. Christ didn't do that. And that to me is something noble. I have to learn not to use my hurt, my shame, but justify my unchristlike behavior. Mm-hmm. And the fact that his reaction was first restorative. Yes, the suffer consequences. Because you remember, Christians some other on, the relationship was, was restored, but it, it had issues because they could, they could talk to God face to face before. No, they were driven from the God. They could no longer speak with God face to face. But he still maintained some relationship with them desiring that one day to restore it fully. Mm-hmm. But they suffer consequences. There's consequences um, of sin. But that's not what Christ dwelt on. He dwelt on the fact of restoring them, seeking them, going after them. He didn't use his pride or his hurt because they, they violated my law. He didn't use that as a weapon against them to destroy them, but to bring them to him. Somebody can help us not to use, um, even, though, even though you are wrong, even though we are wrong, even though somebody hurt us, maybe not use that as a pretext or an excuse to hurt them back, to hurt mm-hmm. somebody. Maybe never do that because that's what it never wants. Um, I know that we're done, but this made me think of something. Um, because Adam and Eve sinned and their sin separated them from, from God, do you think that that also is telling us something there because sometimes we, we can read um in the bible right and we can we can um have some tendencies that is basically self-harming like okay say that you know someone is doing wrong to you but you stay within that situation right because you think that that's the christian thing to do right so to me do you think that that separation was necessary given the fact that because i'm thinking about the mental health aspect of it as well because sometimes as christians we we tend to do certain things that is self-harming and can yeah it's self-harming so to me i'm asking my question is do you think that separation was necessary that we shouldn't put ourselves in a situation that yes, that person is sinning against us, but is it necessary? We can restore that and you know forgive them and reconcile, but is that closeness necessary again? I hope that makes sense. That's a good point. Yeah. But remember, every sin has consequence. If you remember, because of their sin, although God came looking for them, although God came looking after them, Although he granted them hope, they had to suffer the natural consequence of sin. And that was separation. To take it personally. Someone is is hurting you, may have hurt you really bad physically, he's in or whatever. You will not necessarily be in a house by yourself with that person all the time. But does it mean you don't forgive that person? Does it mean that because the person you call a cop to go to jail? It doesn't mean you don't forgive that person. He suffered a natural 
can um outcome of his action but at right. the same time how do you feel toward a person are you angry are you so angry that you will shoot and kill him through a window or are you say you know what i forgive you go to prison whatever if you see him and everyone hungry would you still feed him so sin have natural consequences and of course mm-hmm. as Richard said you may not be able to restore all the relationship because it's at christ he did everything possible but some persons still don't want to go to him so there is a natural consequence of sin, but that you as a person, you representing God, have to demonstrate love towards a person and forgiveness, right. despite the consequences of your sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I just wanted to point that out because I feel like sometimes as Christian, when we're trying to do the right thing, we, we kind of look at certain scriptures and be like, you know, we kind of take it to a whole nother level and we put ourselves in harm way and not realize right, that, right, right. you know, we're harming ourselves and God doesn't tell us to do that. Right. Yeah. I think that's, the, that's why we need to, um, we, when we study scripture, we need to look on um, precept upon precept, look at the principles and then line up on line, here a little, there a little. So we need to take a little bit from everywhere to come to get a complete uh, understanding to see how we should, you know, go about a situation, especially like what you mentioned. Um, so for me, some takeaways um, would be God's character, his reaction in all of this. Um, I really um, liked how God continued to search after Adam and Eve after they sinned, um, after shame, which is a sin, entered their mind and their life. Even though they hid from God, God actually um, came to find them. But not only that, he gave them hope. And one thing that Ms. Jennifer mentioned was God addressed, um, he addressed the issues. So he, he was able to show them, look, this is your, this is what you've done. Okay, this is what you've done within our relationship. You have hurt me and ultimately you've hurt myself. You've hurt um, yourself as well, but that's okay. All right, I have a plan right now. We can't be as close as we were once, but eventually our relationship can be restored with time. And then um, he continued to search after man from that point on and Christ came into the world to demonstrate God's character even more and he himself went through shame Um, and throughout all of that Christ continued to love in his actions he expressed love to um, to us as human beings not once did he think to retaliate but all Mm -hmm. he could say was forgive them father for they know not what they do He, he was he was willing to forgive despite what he'd gone through. And I think that was, um, that was beautiful. And it, made, it makes me think about, you know, just my relationship with others. Um, because there are moments where, because of my shame, I react in ways that are not Christ-like. And because of that, my relationships with people can be severed. And it makes me realize that if I was humble enough to continue to be, to express love to this person, then my relationship 
well, probably would have still been broken, but it wouldn't have been as bad. Or maybe I could have still restored my relationship. So one of the takeaways for me is just being able, when I experience shame or because of my pride, um, continue to express love to those around me. Um, so that it opens the possibility for me to restore that relationship and build a deeper bond with those, um, with my fellow brethren and ultimately with God. So with that, we are going to um, close. Shirley, would you like to create a call? Okay. No problem. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for being with us, O Lord. Um, we rest in your promise that says, when two or three are gathered together, you are in the midst, O Lord. Thank you for the wisdom and understanding that you have given us um, during this Bible study. Lord, I thank you also for um, Trishan, who hosted the Bible study. I ask that you may continue to guide her and protect her. I pray that everyone that hears this Bible study may be blessed and may be um, that may go with something that can help them in their walk with Christ. Lord, I ask that you may purify our hearts, O oh Lord, renew us from the inside out, from the inside out, O oh God. Cover us, guide us, protect us, and restore us back to you. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen. Amen.